Every time he turns around, I kind of get that feeling, oh, no, you know, he's going to get me next. But yet you're fascinated by him. Very. I'm not afraid of him. He just doesn't look like the type to kill somebody. The long and short of it was that, that I, again, knocked her unconscious and strangled her and drug her into the small grove of trees that was there. You are the most loving woman I have ever known. You're in my mind constantly. No words can express adequately the dimensions of my feelings for you. I love you forever and ever. In my dreams, I love you with every long hair beauty I see. I love you with every clear blue sky. I love you until my last breath. No goodbyes, just I love you. It's a letter written by Theodore Robert Bundy to his longtime girlfriend, Elizabeth Kleffer, whose daughter he taught to ride a bike. He read her bedtime stories and she loved him. She said her and her mother felt lucky that he picked them. Join Grimm today as we deep dive into the psychopath's mind, exploring his fetishes for necrophilia and cannibalism, and how he maintained a loving relationship with family and friends. Ted Bundy is an articulate, intelligent 42-year-old man, a former Boy Scout, law student, and Republican Party activist. We follow his multiple prison escapes and manhunts, and follow the true crime story of the most terrifying psychopath for which the words serial killer were literally invented. I just said that the Hawkins girl's head was severed and taken up the road about uh, 25 to 50 yards and buried in a location about 10 yards west of the road on a rocky hillside. You're listening to Grim Explicit Histories, Grim Topics, Extreme Dark Histories, Folklore, and the Paranormal for Mature Audiences. We keep it real, we keep it educational, thought-provoking, like a motherfucker. I'm Joe Woji, and this is Grim. Friends, my beautiful motherfuckers of the macabre, back to Grim, your podcast for dark histories, folklore, anthropology, and true crime. We are historians Joe Woji, Brittany Smith, and Ted Cisco here on this first Serial Killer Sunday, where we occasionally psychoanalyze the most interesting psychopathic killers that we can find. So before we start on maybe his formative years and what I think was a completely unhealthy and complex obsession with his real first girlfriend, Diane Edwards, God damn, this Donna Schramm serial killer profiler. You guys have read about this, right? Brittany, you've read about Donna Schramm, the profiler that was tasked along with a FBI psychologist to find this killer? Yes, I do recognize the name. Uh from talking about when they were out in what was it Washington when they were they worked for the crime prevention unit right for yeah uh, it was a unit of Seattle police yeah because Ted Bundy actually you know briefly worked for the Seattle Crime Commission in which he had you know all this type of access to law enforcement and statistics and basically crime going on in Seattle and it's also important to note though by the way that serial killer as a term did not exist at that time until fucking Ted Bundy right yeah so like at the time like serial killer is not even a term that existed and this motherfucker was a crime fighter he volunteered for a suicide prevention hotline he worked 
Um, Ezra Stoutland, the director of actually that program, that crime prevention program, had Ted Bundy to dinner at his house a bunch of times. His daughter was absolutely smitten with him. He told Donna Schramm, actually, that he secretly hoped his 16-year-old daughter would marry somebody exactly like Ted Bundy. Right, and I think that goes to kind of like how all the different interviews, how all the different documentaries, the articles, everything kind of goes back to the idea that Ted Bundy, despite being a awful, horrific serial killer and an awful human being in general, was also this extremely charismatic individual who like charmed men and women and you know people were in love with him they trusted him he had the good looks going for he had him fangirls for the time court. period he had a weird unibrow which <laughs> i think is odd that nobody ever comments on but it's but crazy like if fucking dirty sanchez stole my hubcaps i would have more disdain for that motherfucker than ted bundy who hacksawed motherfuckers heads off and fucked them in their eye sockets right because I mean, he was charismatic yeah because even at the end you feel during good. his murder trials when like people are like we have evidence that this man brutally murdered and raped these young women people are still writing him love letters and are in love with him and they were just like no like we love ted bundy and it's like there is actual concrete evidence that this man has murdered and raped and done a bunch of awful awful things to their fucking corpses. necrophilia yes. <laughs> like hanging out with the corpse to get a connection personally with it right like it's one thing at least with these like early people like in seattle before he's become known before there's any evidence that this man I mean like you can almost kind of understand like he's high well he's hiding it so they don't know yet but like towards the end of his like serial killer career where like you know that this man has done this and you still are proclaiming that you're in love with him like that's two very different stories and one of them is way more alarming than the other and I definitely think the latter is the more alarming like and without getting too far ahead of ourselves because we're going to back up and we're going to do right. his formative years and all that stuff but do you remember the one fucking girl when he like went and killed the whole well not the whole sorority house but he probably wanted to kill the whole sorority house he goes goes in like fucking attacks like five women and he's bringing the girl that lived across the hall from him it out, is, well, yeah. out so to dinner. Wait, wait. So, so just he's down in Florida, right? So and like, she's all like week googly eyed for him. And they're like, so this motherfucker just killed all these women down the street. But yeah, you had so dinner he, with him and she's all bashful looking like, like, well, he didn't kill me. He must have liked me more. I was going to say, so yeah, he was staying in a boarding house. It was like, I think the week before the murders at the sorority house. The or is what it was called. Yeah. So like he he's staying there and apparently you know like there's an interview like you can actually see the tape like you know of the the owner of the boarding house basically he like took her out to dinner the one night and like when they obviously the news reporters go back and like interview them and she's they're like hey like this man is suspected of like being the murderer of the sorority house nearby and yeah it's very bizarre like kind of like just like the yeah he did and it's almost kind of like you know and they're like but you went out to dinner with him (laughs) But, like, she's hardly the only person who comes off like that in these different videos from the 70s when they're talking about Ted Bundy. Swooning over him. Like, it's in their eyes. Yeah, and she's hardly the only one. Like, there are all these individuals on these tapes, and it's, like, videotapes where you can actually physically see them where they're almost kind of like, yeah, 
yeah, but like he's still like, and it's like, no. He fooled everybody from his professors to his friends, the people at church. He was hanging out. He was buddies with the director of his church. He got like baptized as an adult. Right. That's the Mormon church. So that's when mm-hmm. he like leaves like Washington and he goes he down to like, Utah. Goes and, Utah yeah. yeah. He's kind of putting together a new life and is getting ready to go on a new spree of murdering women. And he like decides to join the Mormon church. So he gets baptized and like, they're all like, yeah, he's an upstanding individual. And apparently at one of the early trials, like they write him cards and they're like, we stand, you know, with you and like, you're a great person, Ted. And, you know, all this other stuff. And then obviously when he, when he gets found guilty of like some of the lesser crimes out there, they do excommunicate him. In, uh, oh, he was excommunicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was excommunicated. <laughs> you can't be a Mormon if you cut motherfuckers' heads off. Yeah. Just like, let it be known out there in our grim audience. Well, it wasn't if even, you I want to join the Mormon church, you may not kill motherfuckers. <laughs> It's not okay. There are limits. Yeah, well, he's not. So he's only a Mormon for like two years because he moves to uh, Salt Lake City in Utah in 1974. And he gets he's a total chameleon. in 1976. Just, so like it, it's a very short window. And it's not even the murder crimes that get him excommunicated. No. It's the kidnapping. The kidna- attempted kidnapping. <laughs> the attempted kidnapping yeah. that gets him excommunicated. So like after that, they were like, all right, well, not you. And, and his girlfriend, Liz, right? He's, he's got this girlfriend for like four years, right? And like when, not to get ahead of ourselves again, <laughs> All right, we are getting ahead of ourselves. All right, all right. So cut cut the list stuff out. Let's just. <laughs> I think we should probably just take it from the beginning, right? From this point. Yeah, we can. Yeah. All right, all right. Let me. Let, let I me. mean, Ted, did you want to like jump in and like kind of? No, I just wanted. Back? I just wanted to mention when you're saying that you know the good looks and everything. That was that was what he had going for him. Nobody believed because the 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 belief was that if you're this kind of killer, that you don't look. You know, you have right. You'd you're be, always trained that the the people like this are like. Ooh, they they looked the part. They, they, he yeah, was the first one that he's charismatic. Yeah. He's like a law he a student. Yeah, he has an intelligence. He's, he's working for like the Republicans out in Washington, and they're yeah, like, he's, he's working for together. the gubernatorial, yeah. um, doing the gubernatorial race there. He's got a degree Evans. in psychology, yeah. so he understands people. Yeah, so he's like absolutely this well even, put together guy. Even so when he, they had a sketch of him in Washington and the, and a sketch of his car. The police still said, nah, it can't be him. I'm like, motherfucker, you had like this police sketch. You had this girlfriend saying, I think he's the one that... Yeah, well, that's what I was. In. That's yeah. about what I was yes. going to get at, right? Yeah, Liz I mean, calls and it's like, oh... Um, uh, I think I got I your think, guy. I think it's him. And, and like, then she still, still wants to go to still, Utah with the guy, yeah. and he won't take her. No. <laughs> but There's, yeah, yeah, they do a sketch of him, and because he because he's going to the Lake Sammamish, and yeah. all of a sudden he sees like 6,000 hot girls walking around. It's like porn walking around on two yeah. legs, and he can't can't help himself but to grab two Twice of them and he's like hi i'm ted hi yeah. hi i'm ted can i kidnap you can you get well, in yeah, my vw bug injured, please you want to come, well, you want to come see arm. my sailboat <laughs> and then the headlines read the next day police seek ted yeah. <laughs> yeah disappearance of women and that's how he would like like at least with that one too like he uh usually use this whole like injury ruse where like he like had an arm and a sling, sling and yeah. he's like can you help me and of course like most of these young girls are he's like, not yeah. asking guys he's no. asking hot young girls can you yeah. help me can I'm I please kidnap you? Pound thing. Can you help me lift this, please? <laughs> but his girlfriend sees the police sketch that they do. It looks just like him. He's driving that VW bug. His name is fucking Ted. She looks at it. One of her friends at work says she turns fucking white. She's like, fuck. <laughs> she shows her girlfriend, and her girlfriend is like, fuck. <laughs> Let's call the Ted Bundy hotline. I mean, they don't know it's the Ted Bundy hotline, but they call. Yeah. They call, and, and they're like, 
yo, does he wear his watch on his right wrist? And they're like, yeah. And it's anonymous, the phone call. And she's like, fuck, can I go to Utah with you, please? Like, she still doesn't do shit with it. There's so many parts of, like, the early parts of his, you know, serial killer career, per se, where it's just like, you're like, how did you not get caught yet because like there's just so many alarming parts that like and obviously it's important to remember of course that this is the the 60s and the 70s that law enforcement did not have nearly as many tools as they no. have today like there, there's literally, no DNA there's no DNA the term serial killer yeah. is not even invented yet That's until not him, him <laughs> exactly I mean but you also like it's just even like they're typewriting things so you can't even get you know information between departments between. is not happening I mean there's and so many and that's what he exploits because he knows yes, this. Because he worked with working the commission, so he knows. Yeah, he, he read knows. detective novels. He, he he was just like they don't share information. They don't. And I'm just going to cross, you know, state lines, state and, lines and jurisdictional lines, and I'll I'll be safe. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many things to remember on the law enforcement side that like when you're listening you're like what the shit like how did you not know that, like, how did you fail how do you not like put two and two together exactly well, one and of the things, one of the things with the hotline yeah. they, they don't have the tools or the background no. like this is a totally new yeah. thing that is happening to them and they're just kind of you know obviously they're not because you can imagine like today like DNA evidence, yeah. like they would have just put like the bolt, like you know, it would have been. Got fucking cameras all over the place now. Exactly. Oh, yeah, so now you're be, not gonna get away with no. shit. Google it's fucking listens to us. It's a very different situation, yeah. so it's important to remember ads. that too. Not only that, his girlfriend Liz found his murder kit, found all the tools he used to murder the women, and she asked him about it. And he's like, "Oh, the crowbar that was there in case I get a flat tire. Oh, the rope that's there to help me do this." And he, he used totally to, explained everything, and she fell for it. And he used to work for a medical supply place, and he boosted a whole. He was a klepto too, yeah, and he, he was, boosted all of this medical shit including like plaster of Paris and crutches and all that shit. And it said that he was, you know, he was walking up with crutches and she saw crutches like there too. And she's like, oh fuck. And he's got that too. Like she totally, I mean, and he said to her like at the end of all this, like, didn't you know it was me? Well, she like calls in, I, doesn't she call in more than once? Like, she does and they have no fucking clue who she yeah, is she the second time. Yeah. She even meets with them. She yeah. insists that they meet with her and they do. They ask her like about her sex life and shit like that. And then she calls back That's and they have no clue like who she is but the thing is I mean I guess in the defense of the police department shit tons of people were calling in on their boyfriends all of these girls were thought that their boyfriends were serial killers and were like my it's my boyfriend she calls in and it's just another girl that thinks it's her boyfriend of course it looks like him it's his well, fuck, that's the alarm. It looks name. like him. His name is Ted. I All mean. of these other people called into his abnormal psychology professor called in and was like, fuck, that's Ted. That's Ted. Nobody's named Ted. And that guy is. And he said when they interviewed him, they were like, you know, what, what did you think about him? And he said, oh, he seemed totally normal. He actually put me at ease, like in a sea of hippie sort of, you know, yeah. people that were protesting and wanted me to give free grades out. He was the only one that wanted order. And he made me, the abnormal psych professor, feel comfortable. <laughs> and they were like, well, it couldn't have been him. Look, he's in the Republican Party. He's, he's going to fucking law school. He's got a psych degree. They were more yeah, they interested. Couldn't, they couldn't believe that like this young, well put together, like, you know, intelligent young man would be. Also, a white man would be yeah. like the person who's doing all these savage. They acts. dress nice. He so wore they a tweed like coat. He's yeah. like, mild. Him. Not him. That can't be him. Can't be him. He boosted a lot of clothes. So he would go to high end stores. Liz, his girlfriend, when yeah. he interviewed her, she was like, "Yeah, I know he aspired for more, and he would like basically couldn't afford the clothes, so he would like dress nice in what he had, and then he would go like boost clothes from the fucking store, mm -hmm. bring them out of the loading dock." 
but he aspired to a lot more. Basically like a case of arrested development in a lot of ways. But I think it is really important that we kind of flesh out his formative years growing up when he was a kid and he didn't necessarily have any personal connections. He never had any girlfriends. He never had any really close friends. He didn't go out hanging out, uh, in his own words, drinking with the boys because, well, he wasn't friends with too many people. He didn't go out for sports, wasn't athletic, he wasn't cool. And some of the people that they had interviewed later about him said that it was almost a shame because he was a good looking guy. And his childhood, it was almost like some beaver cleaver shit because, you know, his family had them involved in the Cub Scouts, the Brownies, church camps. And even at church camp, I mean, they would make fun of me at a speech impediment. He didn't have many friends. Then he would lash out with like a temper a bit. Prison psychologist in Utah, I, you know, he was suspected of these serial killings. So what they did was go out and interview people from his past. And there was one girl that said he tried to drown her. He would lash out and do these things that would draw a red flag. People said that he had a dark side and basically the prison psychologist was like, no parole for you, motherfucker. You will hurt somebody. Mm. But they looked into it because he hadn't been convicted of murder yet and it was a attempted kidnapping charge. I right, think, so they were basically, the yeah, I remember charge. that. They were debating whether or not he should get parole and like he wouldn't if he was found to be like a threat to you know society if he was released. So they did, they wanted to kind of confirm whether or not people that he had known previously, whether they thought he would hurt somebody if they let him out on parole. And obviously to us, that's kind of weird because we're like, it's Ted Bundy. So yeah, he's yeah. gonna, he's gonna hurt a whole bunch of people. But like, we have point, hindsight. Yeah, there yeah. Were people they don't know that yet. So they're like, they defended you him. Lots yeah. of people from the church, from his past, people flew out there from Washington to try to sit by his side. How can we convince these people that he is innocent? And some of the newspapers even said, you know, his, his acquaintances say he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they don't know yet with hard evidence that that's obviously all fake. But So this goes back even further. I mean, if we go back to his birth, right, he's born November 24th, 1946 as Theodore Robert Colwell. And he, he is an illegitimate child. Actually, he doesn't know who his father is. He finds his birth certificate at one point and it says father unknown. And they think that that's when he started to act out. He thought originally his mother was his sister mm-hmm. and that it was speculated his grandfather actually had been his father, which I think you guys had read, one, one of you guys had read the DNA testing. They, they did something to find out that it probably wasn't the case. They did testing with, I think, uh, Bundy's blood and his grandfather or the... the uh they said that if somebody's a victim of incest, they share certain types of in their DNA. There's certain connections in their DNA, and that he they, they didn't have the connection, so they don't believe his grandfather actually was the real father. So right, but just the idea that potentially your grandfather is actually your biological father. Yeah, is and that's what he was told as a young up. child. He grew up, you know, the formative years. Grew up suspicion, thinking, yeah, thinking that his grandfather was his father, his grandmother was his mother, and his mother was actually a sister. That's what he grew up. Right. Thinking. Yeah, because he was born at the Elizabeth Lund home for unwed mothers yeah. up in Vermont. And apparently he spent his first three months there because his mother was going to leave, leave him, him there. Yeah. Uh, but her, basically her parents were like, no, you have to go and get the child. So she she did. She went and got Bundy yeah. uh, or Ted at this point. Um, and the, she returned home to their home actually in Roxborough, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So for our Philadelphia listeners, it was uh, in Roxborough that his mother, Louise and... Uh, 
her parents, his grandparents, lived at the time. And so Ted spent his first three years here in Roxborough, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, living, like you said, with his grandparents. And there was the idea that they were his parents and his mom, Louise, was his older sister. And so... Yeah. He he definitely had like a, a as a child he was treated like he was unwanted. I mean that's basically how they yeah. And I heard that there was or not heard, but I saw different documentaries and articles where they were saying that his grandfather was also abusive oh, to yeah. other members in the family, like not just Ted, but no. also to other members in the family and, and in the home as well. They didn't real. They thought that it was a good thing not to actually give the babies attention and touch them. And so I know we um, just to give her a shout out. We have a psychologist who actually put together an outline and, and tried to assist us uh, in a lot of ways. Um, Jennifer Murphy uh, with the organization of this in a psychological kind of perspective. And what she had given us is that the babies were not touched and that it would have caused them some detrimental uh, harm to their future development. Yeah, they, they didn't realize what harm they were doing by not touching the baby, especially in the, you know right after it's being born. The baby needs that connection, especially to the mother. And because it was lacked a connection with the mother, especially the first three months when the mother went back to Roxborough and he's up there all alone. Right in Vermont. And they're not giving him any attention or any affection. That's They said that that could, could have been a factor in leading to what he eventually became. So you can imagine they didn't want him even before he was born, let alone after he was fucking born. Well, the stigma on an unmarried yeah. woman having... Yeah, having a child. Having remember, a, it's 1946. So. Yeah, a child out of wedlock. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's a major stigma yeah. for a young woman to have in society, and especially gotta, at this time. And yeah, I think what you know, how's that going to fuck you up as far as like your mom didn't want to be your mom, right? Well, if he <laughs> knows that, you know? like, yeah, that could be. <laughs> they, they try to abort you, yeah. and then they left you to yeah. fuck exactly, at the, at and then the they, and then she doesn't want to admit that you're her child. I mean, that's got to fuck with you somehow. Well, he starts to commit petty crimes. Actually, he got uh, his record expunged. He was he was stealing shit. He was uh, that, well, that's burglary, he, auto theft. Yeah, because at three he moves mm-hmm. out. They move out um, from Roxbury, Pennsylvania, out to Washington State. So but you at know three, why? Yes, I did see <laughs> yeah. some. I saw some of the they rumors as to why. Wait, was it the knife incident? It, it freaked, it I was like, Eddie Ted, Ted, do you want to tell us what Ted did that got him like kicked out of Roxbury? For all murderous purposes today, Ted Cisco will be playing the part of Ted Bundy, a <laughs> namesake only. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, apparently three years old, he went down to the kitchen, gathered up all the knives in the house and went up to where his aunt or sister, you know, Aunt Julia, yeah, uh, was sleeping and he put and all he was the, like, fuck you, Aunt Julia. Yeah. <laughs> and he lined up all the knives facing inward where she's sleeping around the bed. So when she woke up, all these knives are pointing at her while she wakes up. That that's would a be, weird, that's yeah. a weird story. And they know that's he like did some it. exorcism yeah. shit. You they know? know he did it because they saw him like in a doorway when she woke up and she's like, you know. But it's also like what three-year-old is capable of carrying all the knives yeah. upstairs and like laying them all out without once actually cutting yourself. Like, Harming yeah. themselves, right? <laughs> I mean, like, it's definitely, like, a creepy, creepy story, but, like, yeah. I also am just like, can a three-year-old actually do that? I'm sure it probably wasn't all the knives, but it was right. probably a, a good amount. Hey, Maybe it was if it's one, just one, one knife is yeah. Yeah, that's still messed up, so. But, yeah, so whatever happens, some weird shit goes down, and they're like, yeah, you need to leave. Yeah. So, like, get they move the out fuck. to Washington. Get this kid out of here. <laughs> I don't care where you go, you just gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yeah, so he moves out to Washington at, and starts being a uh, peeping Tom in yeah. ladies' windows. <laughs> so Bundy has no girlfriends in high school, no close friends as a kid. Goes off after he graduates high school to the University of Washington. He studies psychology, and when he's a freshman, 
as soon as he gets there, he starts to date Diane Marjorie Jean Edwards. Now, she's a rich girl from California and really sort of molds him from this point. It's his first love. He's, in his own words, angry at her, basically for severing the ties there. I mean, I'm sure she broke, he broke his, up with her. Yeah. yeah, she broke his heart. You know, it was his first love. And he was devastated. Basically, she just goes home, writes him less and less, and she's graduated already. He's not up to the sort of socioeconomic level that her family and expectations are. Uh, she affects him in a big way because it gives him a drive to succeed and be like her, be like that. Dresses nice, talks nice, tries to surround himself with the right people, who, who he sees as the right people. Um, really gets ambition to go to law school after he graduates, to join into politics, which would be perfect for him because he's articulate and he can tell people what they want to hear based on who they are, different groups. But as far as his heart is concerned, like this is his first love, man. She breaks his fucking heart and really sort of molds him. When psychologists have looked at, you know, his relationship with her, it seems to really have molded what he becomes in the future, not only for his ambitions, but for his emotional state of being. And I mean, quite possibly every single girl that he murders after this it's all Diane. He murders Diane over and over. Not to say that he he hates her completely because he loves her. He hates her for breaking his heart. So Ted, as an adolescent, as we were talking about, you mentioned earlier, Joe, how he had basically committed some different petty crimes and things like that. But they get all expunged because he's a minor. So, it's, you know, off the record and stuff. He graduates from high school in 1965. He, you know, decides to attend university, uh, gets into the University of Puget Sound. He's there for about a year before he transfers to the University of Washington. Originally, I believe it was to study Chinese. Uh, so he's there as an undergrad student. And he basically, this is when he kind of meets uh, Diane or, or Stephanie Brooks, as she's also sometimes commonly referred to as. And it's her alias, right? Yeah, her, her alias. And like you said, she's say. this upper class kind of uh, woman from California. And she's basically looking you know, because it's the 60s. So like she's looking, as her family expects, for an ambitious young man who are, you know, they're going to get married. Who has and a future. <laughs> who has a future, yeah. And basically from, you know, what has been written, Ted at this point does not meet that. He doesn't quite have any of the ambitions. And obviously he's just emotionally immature. And so she basically breaks up with him. She's mm -hmm. like... No, you're not it. Like, And he pulls himself up by his bootstraps because his next girlfriend says he's very together. We strive to be like him. <laughs> and he seemed more mature than he was. Well, yeah, no. So, I mean, he, it's obviously like this is a big deal for him that he got dumped from his like first love. Mm -hmm. So like because he, he did apparently, you know, by all the articles and records, he loved her. And so it's a big deal for him that he bas she basically ends this relationship with him. He drops out of college. He ends up working a series of minimum wage jobs. He ends up volunteering for the Seattle office of Nelson Rockefeller's presidential campaign. Uh, he's working for you know, as a bodyguard during another campaign up in Washington State. Uh, he, you know, basically he's doing these different political events in which he's getting to know people. He's seeing how you can dress yourself, how to talk in that type of society. He ends up basically, you know, going 
uh, traveling further east. He actually comes back to Philadelphia. He does a semester here in Philly at Temple University. He's here for Temple's uh, spring semester in 1969. So he's here at Temple and Philly and stuff. And then he basically you know, travels back to Washington for the fall of 1969, where he re-enrolls in the University of Washington, uh, you know, by mid-1970s. So, like, he's back up there in the fall. Following year, he's attending back at the university, but this time as a psychology major. And it's around this time that he also meets kind of his second important girlfriend, and this is Liz. So he meets Liz, actually, at the Sandpiper Bar on campus. She She's really shy. She's pretty. She's really shy. She's pretty. She had... Uh, rushed a lot of sororities, none of which had given her a bid. She's from this Mormon family. She's taught Mormon values that women are to be basically subservient and to serve their, you know, their, their, I guess not boyfriends, but husbands and to be mothers. And he, I guess he likes that about her, but he's also shy too. She, when he went in the bar, had to talk to him. She wanted to talk to him. And they danced, and then he wouldn't ask her to dance again, so she had to go talk to him again. And they go home together because she drank a little too much. And he didn't try to kiss her, let alone get her clothes off. No. Um, she slept just, you know, with her clothes on. But she had had a, um, a child with right. yeah. somebody she was divorced. else. Yeah, she divorced her first husband. Um, Who yeah. she met on campus yeah. there, and he was younger than her. And, he, and, and Bundy winds up becoming more of a dad to her daughter yeah. than the dad was. The story was she, woke up, she wakes up the next morning after having Bundy over, and she doesn't know where he is. He's gone. And then she goes to check on her daughter. Her daughter's gone. And then she goes out in the kitchen. That's where he's cooking the daughter breakfast and everything else. Like he has a you know an apron on. He's cooking breakfast. Like you know like a normal. nice guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that would, that's kind of what led her to sit there and say, "I like this guy. He's actually cooking for my daughter and everything else." So she, the word she used, he was endearing. <laughs> endearing. Ted Bundy was endearing. Oh boy. <laughs> and he moved right into the family with them. Basically, it was the best thing that it was what she had always hoped for is what she said exactly what she wanted yeah like a nice guy who like you know is in school must be the name oh is it ted <laughs> it's the name <laughs> don't worry brit walking out to the car you're totally good oh <laughs> thanks ted thanks I'm, over here. thanks I'm definitely gonna trust any man who approaches me with the name ted yeah. let me tell you i'll cook you breakfast <laughs> jesus <laughs> he'll take you home in his yeah. bw bug <laughs> There's this no pass- right here. This He'll right here is why we don't men. There's no passenger seat. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Where we're going, you don't need. Put a passenger these handcuffs seat. on, please. And we'll explain the whole passenger seat. And don't too, speak by the to way. me, or I will lose my resolve. Well, there's not really much to discuss with Liz, other than he kills the girl down the street from her. Yeah. They come an inch from getting married. Actually, they went down and got themselves a marriage certificate that he got cold feet on because why was that, Brittany? Well, I mean, one of the reasons might have been because, like, you know, he basically he graduated with his psych degree and that's that's fine and everything. He's talking about law school and going to become like a law student. And also around 1973, when he's dating Liz, he's also going to rekindle his relationship with Diane uh, or Stephanie Brooks. And they go back to dating. She flies out from California to meet with him as he's working on these different, you know, uh, political campaigns for governor and the presidential race and things like that. Look how impressive I've become. Exactly. And he like drags her to, not drags, but he brings her to these different 
political events and he introduces her apparently at least once as his fiance and like they discuss marriage too and meanwhile this is why he's also simultaneously dating Liz so like neither woman knows about the other he's obviously in kind of like these emotionally deep relationships with both women but you know and then he's they doing all this they think it's emotionally yeah. deep at least right exactly they think that and everything and you know anybody who's meeting them mm-hmm. you know would think oh this is a beautiful young couple who you know are getting ready to get married and you know then all of a sudden he basically just breaks it off uh with uh stephanie brooks in like 1974 just like stops contacting her dumps her for all intents and purposes almost as if he was like hey so i've like you said put myself all together i'm like involved in all these political campaigns i'm a law student everything like, you wanted is yeah. what i now yeah, am and, and then, i don't need you yeah and then he dumps her like almost in like a retaliation about it. <laughs> yeah he is it's incredibly immature and he just dumps her and you know that's how that relationship ends which i'm sure retrospectively she's like thank god but yeah. <laughs> ted bundy dumped me fuck thank god <laughs> and i got to go back to California alive. Yeah, so I mean, worked out for her. <laughs> and this is probably around the time where he starts his murder spree, actually. And when you look at how serial killing begins, they usually start at an area they're familiar with. And just like that, Ted Bundy, his first couple of victims, one is a block from him and one is a block from his girlfriend Liz's house. And the very first of them, Karen Epley, He bashes her over the head. He cocks her over the head with a bed frame and then, you know, basically fucks her with the bed frame. She lived, had brain damage. And uh, I think she's basically the only victim uh, to live until the, the very end when he attacks the sorority house and multiple women get bashed who he probably thought were all dead. He probably thought that Karen Epley was dead as well. Um, But a month later, he then goes and attacks Linda Healy, who people usually say is his first victim because she's, she's the first, first to murder die. victim, yeah. She's at least the first known, known murder, murder victim. victim. She yeah. was on the fucking radio, man. I mean, she yeah. was a college student, but she did like the weather reports on yeah, the radio and the yeah. ski reports on the mm-hmm. radio. And people knew who she was. Yeah. And she just disappears. It's the fucking news lady disappears. <laughs> Yeah, and everybody yeah. was kind of surprised because, like, by all accounts, she was this responsible young woman who was always there for work. And then, like you said, she just she vanishes. And everybody's like, where'd she go? Like, what And they happened? don't take it seriously either. I mean, not as a murder yeah, no. case. They, they're just like, oh, she shacked up maybe with a guy and left. No, she's the fucking weather girl. Why yeah. would she do that? And she was a good student. And they interviewed the people that knew her. And they were like, no, this is not like her. She doesn't do that. She's responsible. And from this point Bundy starts to leave like for three days at a time Liz says and this is this is the craziest shit about it everything that we know about psychopathic Ted Bundy killing women and a killing spree across the country that's beginning now he disappears for days at a time he fucks up school he has to drop out of school and his girlfriend Starts to fight with him. She's picking fucking fights with him, screaming at him. And the craziest part about it is just picture Ted Bundy, who is literally cutting these women's heads off, spending days at a time with corpses, dressing them up, doing their fingernails with nail polish, putting, you know, bringing their heads back to his apartment with him. And this psychopathic killer has a girlfriend 
who's bitching and screaming at him. And she said, and it coincides with his killings beginning. She says that every time she started to bitch and scream at him, basically she thought he was cheating on her and mm-hmm. he, he would disappear for a couple well, of days. He had, yeah. so that's he, a fair. He was cheating on her with some corpses, but. <laughs> and he didn't cheat on her earlier too. Yeah. So, I mean. He would get quiet. He wouldn't, he would get the opposite of mad and violent. I guess in his head, knowing what he could do, he would calm down. And it's crazy to think that a murderous psychopath, there was somebody who could scream in his face and he would take it and he would do her dishes and run the vacuum cleaner to make her happier to try to smooth it over wonder if that is what he with, said wonder if that had anything to do with her child though if you looked at that saying if I do that to her that leaves her alone maybe that was some sort of rationalization like I can't do that to her because the child her daughter would be left alone I don't just my guess you know? I'm thinking like in my analysis of him is that people can they can be drug addicts. They could drink a fifth of whiskey or put a needle in their arm or spank it to Pornhub for an hour, you know, a little too much or something and have an obsessive compulsive need to do these things like an addiction or just something you're obsessed with. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you forget that there are, you know, that you have a mother or a girlfriend that you love and that you need to pay your rent or go to the grocery store and do these things to make you responsible. It's just another facet of your life. And to him, he connected this stuff to pornography at the very end, though I think it was more than sex to him. It was definitely sex because he would bite women. Uh, one of his things that he, is that he would, he, he loved to bite these women, usually when they were dead, um, but he would leave his teeth marks. That's actually how he got how he convicted. Got yeah. um, but he he was definitely into the sex part of it, but it was more than that. It was connection with these corpses, and he would break all their jaws. Mm-hmm. One thing, he said when they interviewed him at the end that he would lose his resolve if they spoke to him because he would look at them as a real person, and he didn't want to do that. This was fantasy. This was fetish. He had a fetish, and he, he traced it back to just images that you see in the supermarket magazines. To well, then it's got to go further with Playboy, and, and nothing, it, it has to go further and further and further, and this was the most sickest extreme expression of that is sex with corpses, cut their fucking heads off, fuck them in their eye sockets. I was say with the pornography thing that he kind of he trots that out yeah. literally the afternoon before his execution yeah. and he does it and he he claims that it's the the pornography was the cause of this to James Dobson who is a psychologist and a founder of a Christian evangelical group called Focus on the Family and he's also a known like anti pornography mm-hmm. uh, advocate and so pretty yeah, much yeah. almost he goes all, all of over his, that yeah, well yeah goes. so almost all of Ted Bundy's like biographers researchers and you know investigators people who like were there at the time they're like this is just another Another pl- manipulation. Boy, yeah, it's another tactic. Like it wasn't pornography because, no. like, in all these different interviews with law enforcement and psychologists before Dobson, mm, he he's always knew. like, "Nah, the pornography wasn't the cause of it." Like, no. I mean, I looked at it, but like, I also looked at I true think, crime. It was well, just I mean, another. He's, com- he's a complex guy, and he's he's definitely got complexities. And when you listen to him talk, he does say like, "Hey, man, I don't have multiple personalities. I am a normal, regular." guy and he says that psychologists always like to have a definitive moment like oh he was beat as a kid this made that happen this led to this that led to that and that there's not always a straightforward answer and there's not one with him and there's not one with other people too as much as that might confound psychologists he likened it i don't know it was more to me it's sort of like 
was reminiscent of like Taoism, you know? Um, I don't know if that was what his intention was to portray it as, but what he said was like a river, this is how Ted Bundy says, like a river is created by a whole bunch of melting snow all coming together and there are different molecules and there are different factors in our lives that all lead to this happening. But it could be a thousand different things all coming together to make it happen. So it's not necessarily straightforward like, you know, he was possessed by pornography to do this, but that there were a lot of factors. And I personally, I think it was like a fetish to him because he would do it more and more and more and try to keep these women alive longer as well. The 17-year-old police chief's daughter, they think like, then that was like a later that one. That was in Utah, I yeah. think. Yeah, she was alive for like a week. Like he kept her alive a little longer. I think just because he, you know, he would have to get another girl. Like as soon as she decomposed to the point where he wasn't going to have any pleasure by laying with this corpse decomposing, he kept her alive for like a week. You can definitely see how the obsession starts to like grow more and more predominant in his in his life, though, because like what starts out is just I think he admitted that like or I think it was the he like killed them originally just to get rid of the evidence after yeah, he yeah, had yeah. raped them and everything, and then it develops into no like no I need to kill them like the killing part is like the I got into the killing and now part. I'm into that yeah and it just keeps escalating further and further as he you know continues to rape and murder and commit these awful, awful crimes. It seemed like he wanted to do it. Well, at least he did it. A lot of the victims are spaced out, at least the early ones, about a month apart. And then it, it progresses where like you got like three of them in the same month. And he probably wanted to just always at all times have some lifeless girl who couldn't talk back to him. He could do whatever he wanted with her and consume parts of their bodies. Mm. Part of that was was uh, cannibalism for him in addition to necrophilia. Hmm. I didn't know about cannibalism. I was because I didn't know about the cannibalism he, part. The necrophilia part. Necrophilia. He said yes. that it was a way for him to possess them more, to consume Oh, like, them. So like metaphorically? Well, it would literally be too. taking it in. And, and <laughs> I could, I could only, That's not associated with Ted. <laughs> right. I can only guess that it was probably their private parts, but I, I don't know because I, I, I didn't read what specific parts that he would eat, but he said that he ate hmm. parts of them. Okay, so if he's telling the truth of that, that's just he's telling the awful truth. atrocity yeah. that he committed. It's great. Because, you know, obviously list. Ted Bundy was also a... Uh, kind of serial liar. Serial liar, yeah. Not with his name, though. Not with his name, though. No. That's not. <laughs> Told everybody his name. So out of these 36 or 38 victims that we know for sure that he's killed, the one that really puts people onto him is George Ann Hawkins. After George Ann Hawkins disappears, then they're like, oh, wait a minute. There's a pattern here that we can identify. And about five weeks after George Ann Hawkins disappearance in Seattle on July 14th, 1974, Bundy goes to Lake Sammamish. Now, this is what fucks it up for him because he sees all these girls walking around just like pornography with two legs and he can't help himself but to grab two of them. So he grabs Janice Ott and Denise Naslin, but he's walking up to everybody. Hi, I'm fucking Ted. My name is Ted. And so many people hear him say that, that it winds up getting into the paper. And this is what gets him in trouble. I guess, I don't know, his greed that he needed two of them. 
and he that stashes. growing addiction. Yeah. Stashes, growing obsession. Stashes the bodies. Basically, like, there's a lot of wilderness out there. And right outside Lake Sammamish is where they find not only those two women, but other women, too. And he would cut their heads off. The craziest shit that he would fucking do is the fact that I guess that he couldn't bring an entire body home with him, but a head was small enough that he could bring home. And and just wrap your mind around what he's doing to these women. You could see horror movies and it's it's a little bit more abstract because it's not real, right? It's on TV. It's on your computer screen or something like that. But just imagine taking a fucking hacksaw from the Home Depot and sawing somebody's head off. I mean, the blood that had been there, there's no DNA testing until like 1987. So he's totally free from, you know, having to worry about DNA evidence or anything like that. But I mean, he's sawing these women's heads off, bringing them home, I guess, because he could put them in a bowling ball bag or a knapsack or something. And going back to the headless corpse over and over having sex with them the the headless corpse and at home he's keeping the head for like a week at a time doing their makeup doing their hair bringing them in the tub with him i you know to clean them up and everything i mean i don't know so so ted ted bundy over here is 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 on our show. What kind of what kind of makeup would you use? Something hydrating, I guess, some Maybelline or maybe like L- a, a light rouge color, maybe. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> nothing too nothing too light. I mean, they're no. going pale, isn't it? It's fucking extreme. They're getting paler anyway, so nothing too light. I want to brighten it up a little bit. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, it's not as... <laughs> you never thought about that? No, I can't say I ever thought about that unless it's like the nightmare of what some creepy dude is going to do to me. Like in that case, yeah, like, you know, worst case scenarios of how I'm going to die, maybe, but, yeah. you know, not like in a... And out of the three people in this room right now, there are there, there's only one person that would be at risk if Ted Bundy was in this room Thanks, right guys. now. Yeah. <laughs> because he didn't want to lay with me and he didn't mm-hmm. want to do Ted's hair. No. And he didn't want to put fingernail polish on me. And lay with my lifeless corpse. Yeah, I got that. You, he Brit. had a total all you, type of person. He wanted young, young mm-hmm. long beautiful. hair, beautiful, usually educated. College, it's yeah. usually college age young women who he was targeting most of the time. So let's not so. seance that motherfucker with Brittany in the room. <laughs> Have a shotgun. Somebody's Don't in trouble. Don't possessed by him. Yeah, let's not do that, Ted. <laughs> but you know what he did that was pretty nice? He re-gifted all of the uh, dead women's jewelry to his girlfriend. Yeah. Hey. That's terrifying. Waste not wanting that. <laughs> They're not going to need it anymore. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's fucking absolutely terrifying. Yeah, so these these two cases that happen at the lake. I mean, That's this is big. what this is what really starts to bring him yeah. into the awareness of this, law this, enforcement. This gets all the phone calls. Yeah, cuz yeah. like now they're like, "Well, we know like we heard a guy named Ted mm-hmm. approaching these these women and like this is when They're actually start. checking people's uh, cameras cuz I actually a lot of people cuz of the vacation spot. So Right, it was a there. festival and everything. Yeah. So people and were they're taking checking photos. their cameras and their videos and everything else. There were 40,000 people there yeah. that mm-hmm. day. They estimate there was a lot of people and all of those people, you would think that he could have blended in a little bit better. I mean, why couldn't he just said my name was well, that's Juan, where they got the Tom sketch. or Juan or something? Yeah, yeah. They got the police sketch. Yeah. Of what but it, it said like. Ted. Yeah. Why would, yeah exactly. Why would police. you use a real name? <laughs> He's going to cut their fucking heads off. He yeah. can tell a fib. Yeah. I, I, my name is John. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> 
My name's Ted Cisco. <laughs> well, I mean, as we talked about, it's not like law enforcement put that put it together as much as we would want them to, obviously, despite having the sketch and the name and like knowing an individual named Ted. And this is when Liz starts calling and being like, hey, so <laughs> that sketch does look sort yeah. of similar to my boyfriend. And I he's also named Ted. And, and he drives a VW Bug. and He yeah. disappears for days at a time. But he I don't still know feels what he's doing. Yeah. A sense of responsibility because when Liz's parents come, it's usually in Mormon practice to baptize your children at age eight. And when Liz's daughter Molly was getting baptized at age eight and her parents flew in, he had just killed Carol Ball and he was up all night with her fucking corpse and shows up at the baptism. He was a couple hours late, but he shows up. It was his responsibility to show up and he does. And he took her parents out for pizza the night before kills a girl that night and then goes back to the baptism. I mean, this is his like sense of responsibility and he still has somebody to love and tell him to do the dishes. <laughs> I do dishes as well, Brent. Oh, that's great. We know that you do I, dishes. I do my own dishes. Thank you. Don't need any help with that. And I can cook. Nope. That's what takeout's for. <laughs> I'm a beast with that hacksaw. Too. <laughs> when Bundy first started killing, it kind of messed him up in school because he became preoccupied with it. And he winds up messing up in school. He gets into the University of Utah Law School, goes out there without his girlfriend, Liz. Liz was hoping that he would ask her with him. He wouldn't do it. And he would say, yeah, 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 come with me. But he, he seemed half-hearted about it because obviously he's got this killing thing. He goes out to Utah and Liz's girlfriend is like, yo, the killings have totally stopped here. And now they're happening where he's at. Yeah. So they're like, fuck, let's go call the police. And if you look at what's going on in Utah, you got Nancy Wilcox, Melissa Smith, Lauren Amy. And then these are all disappearances. And then Carol Durant, she's 18 years old. It's in Utah. It's in a mall. She drives her red Camaro up into the parking lot and is approached by a guy who pretends to be a rent-a-cop. And she's like, hey, uh, or, or he rather says, hey, you know, your car, there was an attempted break-in. Can you come and look at your car and check out that it's okay? And by the way, can you go get in my VW bug while we're at it to come well, down actually, the police station? Yeah, hold on a second though. But he like says that he's a police officer yeah. and she's like, can I see some ID? Because apparently she had some like kind of like, nah, this sounds yeah, shady. Well, he smelled so, like alcohol, she said. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, I would like to see some ID. Unfortunately, he did actually have ID. And so she's died. like, oh, you must be a cop then yeah. because you yeah. act like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. So he impersonates authority or he does his whole like, I'm injured. Please help me. And. Those are his two most common, I think, ruses. Doesn't she like hit him? Doesn't she they get away? She, she jumps gets away. out of the car. Oh, he gets one handcuff on her. Yeah, yeah. And she's like freaking out. He puts a gun to her head and he's like, I'll blow your fucking brains out. And she's like, well, just fucking go ahead and do it, yeah, dude. I'm die anyway. Seriously, you're just fucking gonna kill me. <laughs> cut my head off and fuck my eyeballs, you know? So just do it, you know? And she jumps out of the car on the road. It was another car coming the other way. And she she flung their door open and jumped in that other car and was like, take me to the police station. And nobody fucking believed her. No. They did. They were like, no, it's not this guy. They had him walk out in a lineup, lineup with like law enforcement. He tried to change his look and he did. He was yeah. really good at changing his looks. But she was like, that's fucking him. And everybody was like, no, come on. It's you got Ted. the wrong guy. He's a nice guy. Oh, he's, he's a Ted. good boy. She knew. 
She was like, no, there was a lot of Man, pressure didn't on me. believe a young woman? What <laughs> yeah. a surprise. To say that it was somebody else, and yeah. I got it wrong, and it was him, and I was going to stick to my guns, and this is this is what gets him. This is because she got away. Yeah, because yeah, he, that's, so that's what ends up getting the attempt at kidnapping yeah. later on. Um, I think later on she does actually pick him out of a lineup, but it wasn't a physical lineup. It was a bunch of pictures, and she goes, that was the guy. Yeah, because she knew. Yeah, she she knew wasn't exactly. the one who was doubting. It was all law enforcement. They like, got, it can't they, be Ted. They He's actually a- got information from Liz back in Washington because she called and said, hey, my boyfriend looks like that, and he was out here, and now he's out there. And Yeah. So but he's not a Charlie Manson type. He's a he's a, re- he's, he's he's a, a law student. Yeah. You can trust a law student. <laughs> yeah, he's a, you know, professional looking guy. So. And he gives a prison interview right away. And mm-hmm. he's like, I didn't, I didn't do this. Look, yeah. I'm going to defend myself. Well, actually, I think he did have a lawyer there because his lawyers, they, they really drilled her. And they were like, are you sure it was him? You yeah. know, you sure? Couldn't have been somebody else. It had to be somebody else. It was somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, Durant, I mean, she sticks to her guns and she's like, no, no that, it's, it's, it's definitely him. He's, yeah. he's the guy who tried to, you know, kidnap me and clearly tried to murder me with the gun and everything. And basically what ends up happening is that this culminates in the whole, like, trial in Utah in which he is found guilty of attempted kidnapping. This what gets him excommunicated from the Mormons, as we mentioned back at the very beginning. But before he's actually, you know, found guilty, he had gone back to Seattle and Washington had seen Liz again and of course Liz by this point has now like called into the police like three times and been like yo like I think my boyfriend yeah. Ted is like this she is keeps seeing him every time yeah. that he comes well, and, and that time, says all the fears melt away when well, he's apparently, in her presence no. so apparently the last time like it was actually there was some even bigger red flags like she had talked about cutting her hair which was long and like parted <laughs> yeah. and he was like no he's and, like you gotta ex- yeah, keep your so, long hair yeah there were some other creepy signs and apparently like it's in I think 1976 that they pretty much end their relationship so like it's on the downswing up there like I, I'm pretty sure at this point she's got she's a little bit too like certain. and it's so so yeah. creepy that the letter yeah. that I opened up with the love letter from prison that he sends to Liz with every long hair beauty. I will love you. He says, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> Liz, every one of his victims, Liz isn't totally stupid. So like, she's like, yeah. uh, okay, like mm, I'm not totally 100% feeling this anymore. Yeah. But you know, not only does he visit Liz though, but he also goes to Colorado and Idaho, I believe in which he, Again, unfortunately, you know, continues to murder these young women and he's doing that. He gets, you know, back in Utah because he's a law student there. And that's when you have the trial in Utah in which he's found guilty of the attempted kidnapping. But meanwhile, while all of that's going on. Well, he takes a vacation to Aspen. Well, so, a, a working vacation. Well, he had been up there and yes, he did murder some young women. But what ends up happening is that after he's found guilty down in Utah, they basically extradite him to Colorado because in Colorado there is a murder charge. Uh, on him. And so obviously murder trumps attempted kidnapping. So they extradite him up to Colorado uh, for this murder charge. There was Carolyn Campbell. I know that. And then there was a ski instructor. Ted, you had the ski instructor's name, right? That was uh, Julie Cunningham. And she's murdered and murdered much the same way that the other ones have been murdered. So there's a definite link to Ted. Um, And that's where he gets extradited back to Colorado to stand trial for her murder. But before he does get extradited back, he kind of helps with his own defense. And he's like, yo, can I go to the law library like in the middle of the murder trial? Yeah, in the middle of his trial. He's allowed to. And there's a fucking window that's open, right? So he hops out. It's right next to the Xerox machine. He hops out the fucking window. He said he practiced. Yeah, he thought about it. Like he like practiced. Jumping. Uh, yeah. yeah, bracing himself yeah. on the ground for like the jumping jump off the bed, the second the uh, second bed, and jumping off onto the ground to see 
how to brace his, brace himself. And he lost he lost like twenty five pounds because he had nothing to eat. And and like he he found a VW Bug with the keys in the ignition. What luck, right? So <laughs> and he had, and he actually, I don't understand. And maybe it's because like I grew up like in the nineties and like you know. But like I never understand the whole idea of leaving your keys in the car. Like, well, in case Ted Bundy wants to borrow your like, car for a that's week, that's always apparently the a land. thing in the sixties and the seventies. And I'm like, why are you leaving your keys in the car? Yeah. Like that just seems stupid. But he yeah, lost like he twenty five pounds. He couldn't fucking eat. And you know what? They put a roadblock up. And in the first two days, like Bundy doesn't leave, because there's only like two ways in and out of Aspen. And Bundy, they don't catch him, but they search every single car. And they got like 200 pounds of fucking weed in two days from just people having like dime bags and joints. Nowadays, you're good in Colorado. It's totally legal. <laughs> well, back then, yeah, they were so like, well, does. we didn't get Ted Bundy, but Ted Bundy got, got a, yeah, whole a whole bunch of weed arrests in Colorado. <laughs> People have been smoking weed there for a long time, apparently. But yeah, he escapes from, yeah. like, the law enforcement's like, oh, it wasn't my turn to, like, watch him. That's what the guy like, said. What? They, yeah. were like, they were like to his lawyer, Do you, have you seen Ted? It wasn't my turn to watch him. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, this is your job. Like, you have an attempted murderer yeah. here. Can we maybe, like, keep eyes on him? And it's just like, apparently not. So, like, he escapes there. But, like, he basically, he's out in the woods and it's freezing like yeah. it's cold it's Colorado yeah. he got like not- one meal because he broke into somebody's cabin he got like one meal and one night's sleep <laughs> that was like a decent night and then he like go grabs a car and they pull him over like on a traffic stop yeah so he gets rearrested and obviously put back into um law enforcement's you know custody so like that's his first escape attempt which honestly the fact that you have to say first escape attempt and this is crazy. This it's is a guy that's a left a trail of bodies across the country. He's the most well-known serial killer that there is. I mean, other than, I guess, maybe Charlie Manson at the time, who was locked up. But he is going across the country, doing all this crazy shit, and he escapes, like, fucking twice, not yeah. once. Which, again, not, yeah, not, not once, And it's but not even twice. that much longer later. It's like for less than murder. six months. They're holding him for murder. But the, the deal was, with the second escape, it was pretty... Devious. I it was mean, New he, Year's he lost, Eve. This is the one where he lost like 30, 40 pounds. He became yeah. almost emaciated so he could fit out of a yeah, fucking hole in the roof. Yeah, he squeezed his little ass through <laughs> a 12 inch by 12 inch and he fucking square hole. He literally like walked out the door of the prison. Just like yeah, walking well, he, out. Well, so it was he, New Year's he Eve. Went, he waited yeah. for well, them to serve him food and he was like, all right, as soon as they, they, they'll see me and then I won't eat the food, I'll fucking escape. Well, yeah, and not only that, but he climbs through the roof and apparently above him was like a worker who works at the, the jail or, you know, so he just took his clothes some fresh clothes walked out the front door law enforcement you know there somebody you who works at the jail and then that's how he walks out because like the first escape attempt he's only missing for six days which yeah. still is way too, still long, way too long but still six days whereas this time I mean the second Months. one oh yeah like he's gone for like over 46 days oh, that's where he heads on down and did, you, and did you see like when, when they arrested him the first time and brought him back like when they apprehended him like he's even got a great personality then even though he's tired and he lost 25 pounds and he isn't fucking eating anything they're like how you doing ted and he's like well i'm back <laughs> yeah it's way too like yeah, nonchalant like, yeah like it's hey. way too nice yeah. and, like he's oh, like, smiling and shit you know he hasn't eaten murder. for a week like no come on people but yeah the second time he gets out he goes on this like long circuitous route and he yeah. basically ends up in florida yeah. and he goes straight is, to the sorority house and murders every fucking buddy in, well not everybody no. but he would have probably wanted to he actually, I think he took a trip like South Florida, like Miami. Well, he Miami went a couple Beach. places yeah, first. He, when, when they interviewed him, he said he went to Ann Arbor, Michigan. He was hanging out yeah. at a bar there, and then he was going to the beaches in Florida. He's like having a vacation while he's. Uh, you remember the manhunt that was not out on bail, but he's saying there was like a nationwide manhunt for him. Like everybody's looking yeah, for him. Yeah, one of the most Everybody's looking yeah. for a FBI VW bug because that's what he's going to steal next. <laughs> the same fucking car he's always driven. He's taking buses and so, trains on his route down the Florida and. 
And instead of going to Mexico and changing his name to Juan, let me go murder more girls at a (laughs) sorority house. You know, when Ted Bundy shows up in front of the sorority house with a gas can and crutches, you might want to get the fuck back in the sorority house. (laughs) Well, obviously, those girls, I mean, those young women do not know that this is Ted Bundy. Like, they don't know that, like... They don't know. They don't know. So he's straight down. He's straight down. He's down in Florida. He's been up in the Pacific Northwest for most of these murders. And so. So And he he went to the weather, too. If you look at it, right? He waited for the first escape for it to be spring so that they would have the window open. And then he jumps out the window. And then this time it's opportunistic because it is New Year's Eve and they'll be busy. The guards will be a little bit more busy and sidetracked. He escapes and he's like, fuck, it's cold. <laughs> Let me go to Florida. Where do I go? Florida. And also Florida was on the exact opposite end and, of the country. Yeah. Like to go from like Seattle and like, you know, wa- up in Washington, like you're up in like the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Now all of a sudden you're on literally the opposite end yep. of the United States down in Florida. But instead of going like crossing the border to Canada or yep. Mexico, we're not committing any more murders. Yep. What does he do? He goes and gets a room right next to this fucking sorority house. He goes to the bar right next to the sorority house. He steals like 21 or 23 fucking credit cards from people, which I guess was pretty smart because he wasn't using the dead people's stuff. He was just snatching credit cards so he could use them for his room, for food, for whatever. Takes that. This is where he takes that girl out on the date that's across the hall from him while he's like stalking the sorority house and he doesn't leave. He goes in the sorority house. He attacks four women there. Can't stop himself. But a couple blocks later, breaks into another place, attacks another girl, five on the same night. And this is just him, I Out guess. Out of control. I mean, the being the starved, addiction. Yeah, being starved was, for, for this that he couldn't do the whole six months he was in prison. Yeah, this is, I think, the the compulsion to yeah. like commit the crimes. Like this is taken over. It, with, it just unravels at this point. I mean, the yeah, beginning, the beginning of, of it the end. Yeah. was spending time with the corpses and laying with that. them and fantasizing. No. He just beats them yep. and runs away, and it beats someone else. And he left. He you know, basically it's, he, two of them die. But the other three, he would have been pretty sure that they were dead from the looks of them. They had almost fucking died. They looked like they were dead. Yeah, and I mean, even shortly after that night, I mean, you have his kind of his last known victim at Leach, um, at least in in Florida. You have twelve year old Kimberly Leach, who he also kills, and right outside her middle school, I think he snatched her up from. Him. Yeah, he wouldn't talk right about her. He, I, I, they think he felt remorse for her. Well, she was a twelve year old girl, so I mean, I don't think it was remorse. I think it was more along the lines of there's something to be said for being a serial killer, killing women, and being a child killer. If you're going to prison, it's like, no, you don't want to be necrophilia. Fine, but no, like, yeah, ne- to, necrophilia so, is okay. Seriously, if you're in prison, I'd I'd rather be known as a necrophiliac than a child murderer. No, child but rapist. he killed women. Though. Yeah, I know, but I mean, everybody in prison has a mother. Lay alone, like sisters and nieces and friends no, but that are female different. that they it's know. A, it's a lot different to be a child killer in prison. But when they know in prison that you are a rapist, you're in trouble. Yeah, but you're even worse Period. if you admit to a child. It's worse. Yeah, so no, it's no, 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 no. That's far, far. I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's actually even being a rapist. It's another is one level. Thing. Like, it's yeah, a whole other level. A lot of them yeah. are rapists in yeah, jail. A rapist isn't uh, isn't. I won't say isn't a big deal. Is that the wrong word? But but rapist, they have to separate them all the same, or they'll get beat the fuck up because everybody has a mother, and that could be your mom, that could be your daughter. Yeah, but I still think there's more of a risk if you're a child rapist or a child murderer. That's the worst. You know, the worst. You know. 
thing. All right, Vince tells us get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, can we like cut? Yeah, no. Yeah, I was yeah, really yeah. Like, can we cut yeah, most of that? Because it just sounds weird. That yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a problem because like this is a woman and like you're, that's yeah, your yeah, like, mom. That was like, too that much. That just sounds like That was too weird. much on it. Let's, let's. As like the woman maybe, in the room, I'm going to put it like, maybe, a, like that sounds weird. So in like, the editing, in the editing like, maybe, maybe. We'll leave that out. Maybe trim, well, trim it down at least. Maybe trim it down maybe. Let's just leave it that like obviously admitting to raping and killing a child is you know is bad is bad <laughs> um but yeah it's in florida that he ends up That's getting right. arrested yeah and charged with these murders uh and he ends up having basically two trials, two trials. one for the sorority girls and then another one afterwards for, for the, the other girl Kimberly the little Leach. Yeah, smaller yeah. girl and he becomes such a celebrity serial killer the press eats him up it is spectacular almost like the story you can't watch fucking Dexter on on HBO or, or any of these other horror movies and expect any more excitement or entertainment I mean even when the cop arrests him in Pensacola Florida like there's a fucking chase there's a struggle for the cop's gun the cop has to cold cock him with his gun there's a big old welt on his face with it he gets into custody and then he fucking acts as his own lawyer and yeah. it is insane because a lot of lawyers are like yeah alright they're talking shit because he doesn't have a law degree a full law degree he's taking some law classes and he knows just enough of, of how a courtroom works to, to fake it I guess and obviously he's his own defendant so he's going to do his best job with it but he's such a fucking narcissist and eats up this press spotlight he has press photos i don't have fucking press photos jim morrison has press photos i don't have press photos he gives interviews this is the first time that like <clears throat> yeah. television really basically covers a a trial like this yeah. is the first this trial the first that's televised really, trial yeah this is the first time this happens yeah they so, have I mean, cameras in the courtroom everything the, you, you it's know, like a newsroom the whole court yeah yeah, you even see in some of the documentaries, like the news people, like they're trying to figure out how to even like have all these different technological devices, like trying to report and capture all these images. Because this is the first time that they're they're doing this. Yeah. So, like, this is the first publicly covered trial. And the judge tells him in the end what a tragedy it is yeah. that he is not going to be able to practice law like in front of him. Mm -mm. Not that he's fucking sawed girls heads off. That is the tragedy, but the tragedy is that he's intelligent and he won't get to practice law. Well, it's that he, so he fucking threw away crazy. His life. He threw away, yeah. He was. I think he was more referencing that. I was say though, what his, he could have been if he wasn't, if he didn't do what he did. What I was going to say, been. yeah. So I mean, this but he enamored people. People just, I mean, they would have had more disdain for somebody that looked clearly guilty, and he had people fooled. Yeah, I mean, the judge's remarks apparently are very polarizing. I mean, a lot of people are like, what the hell, man? Like, you're being, like, very, like, gracious to, like, Ted Bundy of all people. Though other people also are like, hey, he basically just said to Ted Bundy's face that, like, you are a waste of humanity. Exactly. And, like, you could have been a great person, but instead you did this. And he just did it politely. So it it's – there are – some controversy surrounding how his remarks were intended, though. Mm -hmm. Obviously, upon first listening, you're kind of just like, this is Ted Bundy. Like, maybe you're being a bit too <laughs> polite about it. Like, but yeah, like that's included, you know, in the different movie depictions. You can re-gift 
dead girls' jewelry after cutting their heads off, and people will be polite to you if you well, have remember, a good but remember, though, personality. But was all that 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 wasn't the power found of out? Personality. But that wasn't found out. Yeah, at this trial. point, yeah, they still they have the Pacific the Northwest. The yeah, the necrophilia. Like that there's nothing. Just all the dead girls in the sorority house. Yeah, just the three girls. Just in the, the yeah, the two. It was two girls who died, right? Four attacked, two died. Yeah, because it's two that like, and I mean, even during this trial, people are. You're right though. They they are being charmed by him to the point that like you have some of these young women basically going and writing him love letters and all this type of attraction to him and he is found guilty obviously of killing the two young sorority women he basically it kind of hinges on the dental records yeah, basically I mean yeah the bite marks they're yeah. like well these are his teeth yeah. which have been found with bite marks there so this is clearly you yeah so he did he you know he's found guilty of the two murders he's also receives two Death penalties. Death penalties because of it. Yeah. And, you know, even after that, so like this is the first circus trial, basically. So like with all the shenanigans involved of him as co-counsel, firing his, you know, lawyer, mm -hmm. all that. But then he has a second murder trial in Florida in which that's the murder trial of, you know, for uh, Kimberly Leach. And it's during this one that he's also found guilty. And mm -hmm. this one, there's actually a bit more hard evidence for because there was a witness. They found fibers like <clears throat> matching his clothing yeah. in the car and they found her body and all that type of stuff. But he gets found guilty, you know, of her murder. And, you know, during this trial, he also receives a third death count penalty. for death penalty. So he ends up with three death penalties yeah. in Florida. And this is with the, the three murder charges down there. Now, I, when I was researching this, I felt almost guilty that it was so fucking entertaining in a way. And I, I felt like this is almost like season one, two, three of Bundy. Like, it just doesn't fucking end. I mean, because even in this second murder trial for Kimberly Leach, I mean, I, he doesn't stop amazing people and shocking people with what he does. He's defending himself and he calls Carol Boone up to the right. stage. Yeah. And oh, she Jesus. she is somebody that he worked with at the Crime Prevention Unit, right? He's, All the way back in Seattle, yeah. Washington. So this She's is way, way back. The biggest defender he's got, he, she would spin for the press for him and he calls her up as the only witness and he's like, will you marry? He proposes to her on the stand in front of the judge was, with a murder legal. trial yeah. on television of a 12 year old girl to be clear yeah okay oh that was that trial okay. oh yeah it was that trial over right, I wasn't him. sure that was the trial she, she accepts yeah so they get married on stage yeah. in on, the middle of a murder trial <laughs> in the he already stand. has two you know death penalties on record yeah. and everything but the crazy thing is though I think it was his mama um, Bundy Papa Bundy and Baby Bundy. <laughs> I think it was the, the notoriety that he's getting and the, the, the kind of, uh, how should I say this, the um, confidence he had in himself because in the... In the, the Maintained uh, his innocence the whole time. Yeah, but because of the, that was probably his downfall though, because in the first trial with the sorority house, he was given the option of pleading guilty and giving yeah, life in prison. Yeah, there was a plea deal. Yeah. And he could have taken that and that would have been it. But he didn't. He felt for sure that he was going to get away that, with it. But would that have included all those other things that he had done? No, not no, everything. In the other states, yeah, no, no, no. But and like definitely not the other girl. Yeah. But I mean, for those two, he could have gotten, you know, life in prison. But he knew he had other bodies. He was so confident. Yeah. And he, you know, he wasn't going to admit that he had exactly. done something wrong. Like but that like wasn't. Said, and she believed in him all the way up until the end. Like, like, uh, like right before he was, it was like bones for time. Then he's like, all right, so maybe I did kill a whole bunch of women. And then she was like, fuck. <laughs> They were divorced in yeah. 1986, yeah, just didn't. to be clear. But they weren't allowed to have conjugal visits, and they wound up just having sex anyway on death row. They they go have a baby, 
baby Bundy, Rosa, yeah. and I couldn't find anything about Rosa's. Well, uh, Rosa clearly uh, changed her name, her name and yeah. like is not being, you know, doesn't want to be related. No. But why anyway. doesn't she write a book like his ex girlfriend? No, yeah. absolutely. Like I don't blame her. Rosa's like, no, I don't want to talk about my father. Started clothing really line like, like Pablo like, Escobar's yeah. kid did. You know, use the notoriety of the name. It's an anti-notoriety, but so, anti-fame. So he's in jail. He gets convicted on both the both the uh, sorority counts and the twelve year old girl Leachy, count. Yeah. And he's Leachy. in jail. He's on death row for what about nine years? Yeah, and there's a full decade. Yeah. he's like on death row. And he's trying to, uh, towards the end, he's trying to get a pushback by what Brittany said was the bones for time, trying to confess to more and more killings so that way they keep him alive longer to find out where the bodies are buried, basically. Yeah, and like during, I mean, even during his death row, so I mean, not only is he like married and like he has a child while he's on death and row. And he's like Hannibal Lecter listening to classical music while they interview. He's also working with like basically like the early behavioral unit at like the FBI yeah, and like helping he, them with like other like actually, yeah, the Green killer. River Killer. Green River in Killer actually helps him to get the Green River Killer. And yeah, he tells them the that they, they'll go back to the crime scene. Yeah. And he had gone back yeah. to Healy's crime scene to grab her earring and her shoe while the cops were all there. And he said, you know, look, we, we go back to our crime scenes. You know, yeah. we, we just do. We relish in that shit. <laughs> he questioned that one witness, as a matter of fact. And he was like, describe my crime scene to me, please. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say my crime oh, scene. Oh, yeah. my God. That was like such a huge red flag. Like, yeah. If you're the jury, I'm like. I'm and they showed the jury. They had footage of them just like shaking their heads like, what the fuck? Because, yeah, this is. So just to be clear, this was during the first murder trial in Florida in which Bundy is acting as his own counsel. And he basically, you know, decides to cross uh it was the only one he cross-examined. Cross-examined one, and of he's the like, "Tell officers. me all about the dead body." Yeah, yeah. and he just <laughs> what like, were your impressions of the dead body? Explicit detail in which, like, everybody is just like, "What?" They're even yeah. vetoing him, and they're even the judge is like, "All right, what's the word? What's the word? It's not veto. Over overruling." Objecting. Objecting. They're objecting to him, and they're saying this motherfucker's already asked that shit, and he's like, "All right, tell me the position of this." This limb instead, you know, and he's still going on about it. He won't. Yeah, stop. so he's he's giving all these kind of like interviews, but always in the third person because he's still not admitting that he had murdered anybody or that he had done anything wrong or like nothing like that when he's on death row. So I mean, like he right. A couple of reporters got a book deal. Like he couldn't get yeah. the book deal, but they got a book deal to get his story, and he agreed if they would reopen his case and examine it. And they were like, "Well, he's not telling us about the killings." So they were like, "Hey, Ted, man, you know more about these killings than anybody. You're like an expert witness." Tell us hypothetically. Right, hypothetically. If there was an individual out there with the entity, as he called it, <laughs> that would overcome uh, him and make him yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, some of his phrases tell, are like terrifying. Yeah, it's Dexter's dark passenger, yeah. right? Oh, it's, it's also the entity. reminiscent to OJ with the book, uh, If I Did It. I mean, come on now. So. <laughs> I didn't know he had that. Yeah, book. he did. Fuck. He basically admitted to killing her, what and then the said, fuck? "If I did it, this is why I do." And he explained exactly how she was killed. So. Yeah, so and this is Ted what Bundy, Ted Bundy does. Yeah, yeah, he talks in third person. He's yeah. exactly like you just said. He was like, "Well, if the person was going to do it, this is how they should do it," and like goes into all these details. And it's just like, okay, yeah. well, you know, this is the progression you. of where it would have yeah. went to, and this is where it would have started. And I wonder where it would have went to hadn't they caught him. It would have just gone spiraled even he worse. He wouldn't have stopped. Yeah, I mean, no. he's like that's not he's not. I mean, some serial killers Do apparently stop. can stop. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's it's a false conception that they can't. Yeah. Like, some of them have, but he wouldn't have been one of them. No. He would have just kept going. Would he have gotten cabins in the woods to keep the victims alive longer? Like, we don't know these things. Like, where that disease, or if we want to call it a disease, where that fetish 
addiction Obsession. to murder yeah. would have taken him. Yeah. It would have taken him to more heightened extreme levels. But basically what ends up happening is that all the stays get Denied. exhausted. Yeah. Like they don't, they decide like, no, you're not going to get a free pass. Like you're, you're going to be sent to the electric chair. And, yep. you know, so I mean, you know, in the last couple of days leading up to that, I think is when you kind of have, at last, he admits to murdering, I think we said, what did we agree to? Like 30? 30, 30, 30, 30, it, was, it was 36 or 38. And and he said, additionally, he said, oh, but you can add a zero to that as yeah. the true number. So right. it's, he, like, so it's what, 300 yeah. or 100? Like, because he said that he would capture and release women yeah. to practice and to keep his hunting skills up to par. Yeah. So he at least, he acknowledges that he killed 30 some women in multiple states. Um, he confesses this about two nights before his actual actual execution uh, that he was active from like 1974 he said 1978 though in other testimony like before this he had said something different so again you know Ted Bundy he's a liar yeah. so it's hard to tell whether that's true or not but like this is when he admits to like the necrophilia and like decapitating the corpses and bringing yep. the skulls home and this is when he admits that like he buried some bodies out in the wilderness so I mean this is kind of that that two night before confession when like he at least admits to some of it, but he still doesn't take responsibility. He no. always, so like even though he just confessed that like he murdered thirty some women, he he still is like, but it's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. It's society's fault. Well, they he had gave like a whole me list. too many choices. <laughs> yeah, if things like, were more rigid, if I lived um, in Nazi Germany, I would have been a great commandant at a death camp because he would have been right. He was very ordered mm -hmm. and he was very brutal. Yeah, so he That's blamed he blamed every like he blamed the absence of his father. He blamed his abusive grandfather. He he blamed like the fact that his father was concealed from him. He blamed law enforcement, TV, alcohol, porn, the media, society itself. And then a couple times he blamed the victims that they apparently looked mm -hmm. afraid. And then like he had to go ahead and like attack them as a result. So I mean, pretty much if you can think of something he at least blamed it once for his actions so yeah. he even, never took responsibility even but his mom loved him she came to the trial every day and she said he was the best son in the world she loved him but even up to 45 minutes before he was executed he they're still asking him questions about bodies and murders and did he have responsibility for it they asked him about New Jersey and Ohio that there were girls uh, bodies found in New Jersey and Ohio that kind of matched the his killings yeah there's and a they bunch asked of him, and they asked him about it and he said no but that was 45 minutes before he said to be killed. He's still giving interviews saying, no, no, that's not me. That's not me. Yes. Yeah, so and there, there was speculation. Brittany, you have some of this, right? Yeah. About so, I the mean, Philadelphia there are, area yeah, there are a bunch of like murder trial or not trials, but murder cases where he's, you know, people have suggested that he, it might've been him, um, at least here in the Philadelphia area. He apparently at some point when he was on death row had given interviews that like he had killed two people while he was in Philadelphia. And so, you know, some people have put Atlantic out, City, right? Was right. It, it yeah. was like outside Atlantic City, like because while he was attending Temple University, people had said that, you know, he had said at least in one interview that it was, you know, 1969 and that he might have killed Susan Margaret Davis and Elizabeth Perry, who were both 19 and that, you know, they were on the Garden State Parkway outside of, you know, near Atlantic City in New Jersey, though, you know, he said like you like you said, Ted, you know, on right before his execution, he was like, no, I yeah. didn't murder them. So again, it's unclear whether he did or he didn't. But and again, he's a pathological liar. So. Exactly. So it's hard to tell like whether that's the trait. But there are multiple cases where it's 
it's things like that where he admitted like in one interview that, oh, I, I killed somebody Why I was up in Vermont looking for who my father was, you know, up at the, the unwed women's home. And there was a murder of a young woman up there that he was up there around the same time. And so people have been like, all right, well, was that you? And then like sometimes he was like, yeah, I yeah. killed somebody while I was up there. And then other times he's like, no, it's not her. So it's like, all right, well, did you murder somebody there? And it just wasn't this individual. But like there are a bunch of cases like that, where he may or may not have been the yep. murderer. And, you know, they actually, in 2011, they got t- uh, Ted Bundy's complete DNA profile and they basically added it to the FBI's DNA database for future reference for any of these kind of like unsolved murder cases that he may or may not have committed that we don't know. And they did tap him while he was in prison, too. The FBI didn't have really like a database or a training center. Uh, And at Quantico, what they did was they put one together and they interviewed over 30 killers, him being one, Charlie Manson being one. And they said, like, you know, help us learn about the mind of a serial killer. Mm -hmm. We want to know how you evade law enforcement. We want to know how you think, what motivates you, what drives you, cause and effect. And he did help him. I mean, at first he was like. Yeah, well, what am I getting out of it? Yeah. But then I, I think the narcissist in him just wanted to help regardless, and they knew that maybe. Yeah, but he did. He either that or he viewed it as a way to push off the execution date. Just yeah. keep pushing off, pushing off, pushing off. But eventually that failed. Yeah. So in, in January 1989, he is sent to the electric I remember chair. when he was executed. Did you? Yeah. I was, what, 16? Jesus, I'm old. But yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember the crowds cheering and everything else. I was like, I saw, like, that was shocking. Like, yeah. I, I didn't realize that it was, like, they had, like, pins that they were giving out to people. And, like, it was a huge party. Burn, like, yeah. Bundy, burn. burn. Yeah. And they were selling T-shirts. And yeah. everybody was out there drinking, yep. hanging out. It was, like, college students who were probably kids and didn't yeah. remember, like, any of the murders. But it was funny, Joe, because you mentioned his mom and that she loved him. And he was the best son. One of the psychiatrists actually talked to his mom at the end of the trial or towards the, or actually up to leading up to the death when he was put to death. And she to, told the psychiatrist that she just can't wait until it's over. So even at the end, she didn't want him. So it just goes from him, her not wanting her when he was born to her not wanting him <sighs> around at the end. So well, would fitting. you want him around after well, that? No, thing. but I mean, I mean it, doesn't, after it everything, doesn't explain I mean. a lot. Because they went, the reporters, they felt a responsibility to go to his mom's house. Yeah. And here, listen to this. This is your son. Does your son's <laughs> voice, right? Yeah, it's your son. Listen to him confess. And then she was like, would you guys like some pie and ice cream? <laughs> but yeah, it was pie like and ice the, cream. the whole like party going on outside, you know, yeah. it just kind of reminded me how like we were talking like in previous weeks and previous episodes when we were talking about like how all these crowds would go and watch you know these individuals yeah. be executed in this extremely violent manner like it was a huge crowd like this was like the same thing except for it was like in the 1980s and yeah. you got t-shirts now <laughs> when he saw the electric chair he was freaked out and then he calmed down and they put him in it and asked him if he had any final words it wasn't very prophetic he just said his very final words were Give my love to my family and friends. Yep. Yeah. And then he was fried. <laughs> so they, they, you know, executed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ended up cremating the body. Did they cremate him? And yeah, Brittany, tell us what they okay. did with his ashes. I was, say, I was really freaked out Jesus about this. fucking like, Christ. I'm hoping that this is wrong. Like, I just hope, like, I don't not think wrong. it is, but like, I want it to be wrong. <laughs> because from what I understood, they took his ashes and he wanted his ashes to be spread. In the place where he had the most enjoyment of his life. Right, in up the in the woods National Park. Yes, up in Washington. <laughs> yeah. Which has the remains of his victims still in it. And they did it? Yeah, apparently. They did it. Which they is just it. like. 
obviously, you know, like if you're being optimistic, you're like, he meant like his childhood when he was camping and hanging out with other kids. I which, thought that they were going to spread him down but, that river where he always went rafting with Liz and Molly. And no, that's not. I mean, that's, that's the optimistic that view, but I mean, it's Ted Bundy. So I mean, it I was, think yeah. it's at least half fair to think that the like necrophilia. he meant huh. the other half of his life. And it's just like you put his remains in the same park where his victims remains yeah. are still like we couldn't not do that like we couldn't put him in a dumpster piss on him and then fucking yeah. put him in a block of cement and chuck him down to, you know I don't like, know what the fuck why is his remains yeah. in the same park that his victim's remains are like that's, that's I mean I guess up. legally if it's in his will I mean you have to apparently that's how it works yeah, as, I mean, as we know from doing say no, from I mean, doing our uh, serial yes. killer tour here in Philadelphia <laughs> Jesus <laughs> because there are other legal documents yeah. that Murdered uh, serial killers. Uh, you still have in their, in their will have to, you know, the. All right, strike that last little bit of what I said because I was fucking up. Um, there I didn't are, know that, Britt. I didn't Brains know they dumped his ashes there. Wow. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, so I mean, if you're looking for more Ted Bundy, more Ted Bundy, more Ted Bundy, then which is. You know, if you're looking for more, there's obviously been documentaries that have been recently released. I mean, there's the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix. Netflix also has the extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile uh, movie with Zac Efron that was in 2019. There's, you know, the capture of the Green River Killer in 2008 has him. There's Bundy, an American icon from 2008. There's a movie from the 1986 with Mark Harmon as the deliberate stranger, which he makes sense portrays Ted yeah. Bundy. So there's been numerous uh, books written about him too. Obviously, you have, you know, probably Anne Rule, who had been, a, yeah, had been a friend back in Seattle before everything happened. He he had worked with her in the the crime prevention. What is the crime the, prevention or crime the suicide? Prevention or suicide prevention. Yeah, crime so, prevention. Right. But I think it was a suicide was. hotline they were working on together. Yeah, that was yeah. Part of it. So she wrote, you know, a biography, The Stranger Beside Me. So she wrote one. Um, Liz Kendall obviously wrote a book, the, the Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. I think she's also involved with the Amazon Prime documentary, Falling yeah. in Love with a Serial Killer. Oh, in a big, in a big way. Also, she's the central character of that. Yeah. Also her, that was the Zac Efron portrayal. Yeah, it was from her point of view. From her point of view, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's been multiple books and films and documentaries about him. There's actually a good, real good podcast, and I think it's relatively recent, called Interview with Evil, and that's the one with the recordings from him with King County in Washington, where he actually admitted to saying, this is what I did, this is where they are. That's his only first-person interview in which he admits to killing the girls. So that's a really good podcast. I think it's about six, no, I'm sorry, eight, eight, uh, eight sessions long, basically. But you hear him in his own words saying, yeah, yeah, I did this. This is what I did and everything else. So it is so, kind of yeah. like it does make the hair stand up on your on your arms like, oh, my God, this guy's actually saying he actually did all this. So, so plenty of films and books and documentaries and even videos that are on, you know, like from the recordings from the trials are all available online today for any listener yes. who wants more Ted Bundy. Yeah. And he was no fan of Philadelphia, though. <laughs> when he was, Why? Why is that? When he was here in the springtime going to Temple in 69, he said he left Philadelphia because he said that Philadelphia was, quote, too violent and dangerous for him. Motherfuckers threw batteries at him yes. like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> and we just got done beating up Santa Claus, so he's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> He said Good Philly job, was too Philly. dangerous. Yeah? Said Philly was too violent and dangerous. And I'm always like, well, if it's too violent and dangerous for a fucking serial killer, what are we normal people supposed to fucking do? <laughs> Never been prouder of Philly. Respect Philadelphia. Yeah. Get the bad, fuck out, Ted Bundy. Bad things happen in Philly. So. <laughs> and Ted Bundy recognized yeah. that. <laughs> All 
All right, you have been listening to Grim Dark Histories, Folklore and Anthropology, and once monthly or about that serial killer motherfuckers analyzed for mature audiences. I am your R-rated history professor and global studies professor, Joe Woji, my co-host, Brittany Smith, historian, as well as Ted Cisco, also historian too. Playing the part today of Ted Bundy for all murderous purposes. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review us, and it'll help us bring more content to you. Support us on our Patreon at grimphilly.com backslash podcast if you want to be especially awesome and take a live serial killers tour with us here in Philadelphia or dark histories tour or ghost tour with any of these beautiful motherfuckers that you hear on this podcast that you can book on the same website grimphilly.com most important tell a friend and just keep listening you come around